Welcome to the Living Word, the radio broadcast ministry of Living Word Church. I'm going to take um, text today from Isaiah chapter 44, reading from verse 6 to 11, because I'm still on the theme of Christianity, because um, as I said at the beginning of this series, um, there's a lot of confusion at the moment as to what Christianity really is. There is the portrayed Christianity, which is what we call the the visible church, which is um, throwing people into confusion and um, has really brought a very bad reputation on Christianity. And it is such a shame because um, I, I speak to non-believers all the time, <clears throat> and even some Christians who are no longer Christians. Now, it's... Um, it's 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 a, a very unfortunate thing when a Christian or a person was a Christian and now they tell you, oh no, now um now I'm Muslim or oh I've just left the whole thing and gone and joined the Catholic Church. Now the Roman Catholic Church is not a Christian church because they are very, very doctrinally unsound. And as such, a person who leaves uh, Bible-believing Christianity, evangelical Christianity, and um, signs up to Roman Catholicism is a person who is lost. But having said all that, there are too many people in the <coughs> in what we know as the Christian church itself today who are just as lost. So there's a big, major problem going on. But we need to understand exactly what Christianity is about. Exactly what did Jesus come into the world for? And Jesus coming was God coming in the flesh. Exactly what is expected? What shall be portrayed? How are we supposed to leave us Christians? What is it that constitutes Christianity? What makes us born again children of God? And also, exactly who is going to heaven and who isn't? It's incredible because um, in the past week, I've watched uh, two uh, clips on on YouTube, two clips of two prominent, I say that in quote, Christian leaders. And I'm very disappointed because, I mean, these are two very famous televangelists, precisely, Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, and um, at different times were asked the question, you know, um, who uh, is it possible for homosexuals and Muslims to to go to heaven. And they chose not to answer the question, saying, oh, well, you know, I don't want to, that decision is in the hands of God. I don't want to have to be the one to say who goes and who doesn't, because I don't have the discretion to. And, I, and um, personally, I thought that was ridiculous. And um, <laughs> Larry King was speaking to Joel Lewis and said, well, how can you not tell? The Bible says that, um, because um, Larry King is, is Jewish. Now, he says the, the New Testament says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me, was what Jesus said. So, how can you then not tell, will homosexuals and Muslims go to heaven? And Joel Austin said, "Uh, well, I still... um, It, that's a subject I really like to avoid. You know, I don't, I don't see, I don't want to have to say that there's just the one way to heaven. For crying out loud, this guy's supposed to have the biggest Christian church in the United States. And, and, and unfortunately, the same evasion of the question happened with, with T.D. Jakes as well. And it, it's just, it's very unfortunate because this is the situation we're talking about. So exactly people are confused because if any preacher cannot categorically tell you who will and who will not make it to heaven, that preacher is not worth holding a microphone. 
because Jesus makes it clear. Now, we don't come up with our own ideas. It's not about my judgment or my ideas or my opinion. God doesn't care about our opinions or our judgments. I mean, our brains are pinhead-sized in the presence of the sovereign God. But scripture makes it very clear who is and who isn't going to heaven. Jesus, being God, lived amongst men, and he spoke exactly who will and who will not go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. If you reject me, you reject the Father who sent me. So, what are we talking about? And then he gave too many teachings and parables. And I mean too many to tell us exactly what the kingdom of God is about. And at the end of most of the parables, it will tell you, and then such people who did certain things will be thrown out, you know, into, uh, will be thrown into the fire, the unquenchable fire, where there'll be much weeping and gnashing of teeth. I appreciate that people don't like to hear all the fire and brimstone theology, but unfortunately, unless you hear it, you will be under a delusion. You will not get very far because you will not understand what God's requirement for you are. And you see, there will be no excuse on that day when you face God, when you after leaving this world, to say, well, the trouble is, my pastor never spoke about heaven and hell. And hell. I mean, he, he spoke about heaven, but he never spoke about hell. So, you see, I didn't know. You know, because you have got the written word. Again, Paul the Apostle says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, he said, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So there we go. We've got another group of people who will not make it to, to heaven. Immoral people, immoral sexually, immoral in every other way, any kind of immorality. Impure people, greedy people, covetous people, people who never have enough, people who want more and more, who, who just want more all the time because you are being told to go for more and have more because more is always better because God has more in store for you and God has destined more for you and so you have to get more, you have to get more. Unfortunately, that in the sight of God is greed and covetousness. The Bible says such people will not make it to heaven. Ephesians 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 5. It's very clear. <clears throat> now, there are very many other things. I mean, to the question these guys were asked, I can categorically say that homosexuals, unless they repent, will not go to heaven. And I can categorically say Muslims, unless they accept, come to Christ for forgiveness and plead his atoning blood, will not go to heaven. It's very simple. The matter is that simple. So why it was difficult for these preachers we see all of our television screens every minute, to say that they're not leading people right then because if you cannot point people in the right direction for salvation, then you're not, you're not really serving God, are you? So let's look at Isaiah 44, which I spoke about earlier. <clears throat> From verse 6 to 11, we shall read. This is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let him foretell what will come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. 
All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who will speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a god and casts an idol which can profit him nothing? He and his kind will be put to shame. Craftsmen are nothing but men. Let them all come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and infamy. The first time I read that Bible verse, so many years ago, several, several years ago, probably about 15 years ago, I shuddered. Because it was amazing. It was an amazing testimony of Almighty God speaking of himself. Now, in all the years that I've been a, a, a preacher, I have looked and researched a lot of um, books and things, and um, I have found no God to equal the God of the Holy Bible. None. And it just said here, he said, people, all who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who will speak for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Because people come up with all kinds of gods and all kinds of things and all kinds of figurines. Have you looked at all the Hindu gods? All the Greek gods? The formation of all sorts of animals or humans with animal heads and, uh, and Buddha, that great big pot-bellied guy and all that nonsense? It's insanity. And then some people will stand there supposed to be their priest and speak for those things. What does the Lord say? God just said this, they're all blind. Now, unfortunately, it's not just as simple as it. Idolatry before God is a very grave sin. It's a very, very grave sin. And people who practice idolatry and do not repent of it will end up in hellfire. We call a spade a spade. There is no neutral ground. If you're not on the side of Christ, Jesus said, He who is not for me is against me. So it's not enough to say, I don't believe in any religion, you know, I'm atheist. Well, you may be atheist, but you own, you were against Christ Jesus then. And all who are against Christ Jesus are for Satan. Why? Because he is the only other contender for the souls of men. Now, God created man. And all this through Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, and for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God created all things for the pleasure of his son. He gave his son, he gave his son the sovereignty over everything. Because he and the Father are one. There's God the Son, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. People say we worship three gods. No, we worship one God, but he's a triune God. He exists in three persons. And not nine, as Benny Hinn thinks. <laughs> because he thinks the three personalities, both with body, soul, and uh, spirit, a very warped um, interpretation. I don't know where he got that from. Probably from part of his occultic movement or something. We worship the one triune God. And in, in, in God, Christ is one. And so is the Holy Spirit. So, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now that life and the light from God came down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. 
and all that God the Father declared of himself in Isaiah 44, verses 6 to 11, which I just read. Jesus came and showed us in the flesh. Because God tells us there, he said, who is it? I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Which of all the foolish gods of the world that people worship in various religions, which of them can stand to stand up to the Almighty God? All these leaders have died, never resurrected. Muhammad inclusive. They never resurrected. And they are the ones who are pointing you to some God somewhere or some, some universal controller somewhere or something like that. All kinds of ideas of God that they come up with. But the almighty God who laid the foundations of the earth, he has spoken his word. He has told us the way to go. Now he sent that message to Israel. Israel being the chosen race before the coming of Christ to show the rest of mankind the worship of the true God. Israel was chosen for that purpose. They failed woefully. Why? Because man, sinful man, simply was not willing to leave their sinfulness. They were too engaged in it. All the world was doing it. it was, they found it impossible to separate themselves unto God, which was what God did. He sanctified them unto himself for the purpose of holiness, teaching them holiness and the worship of the true God, the only God. There is no other. And for that reason, he showed them so much favor. He, he, he nursed them like babes in his arms. He loved them thoroughly. Did they because of that get the message? No. Were they because of that faithful to God? No. They repaid God's faithfulness with such unfaithfulness. They repaid his loyalty with betrayal. Israel was not able to lead the rest of mankind. And so, <clears throat> all of mankind continued to walk in darkness. We thought we were in the light. We thought we lived. <clears throat> but we were the living dead. We thought we could see. But we were blind. We thought we were clothed and covered and we had all the splendor. But we were naked and wretched. Poor we were. Until Jesus came. God sent that message to Israel. Say, bring all your gods. All the gods you know and worship and serve. All the gods you mouth and represent. Because you've got crazy priests who represent these ridiculous gods. They, they are blind. God said, bring them all before me. Let them come and tell me. Let them come and tell me how I established my ancient people. How I established the earth. And let them come and tell me what is to come. But I have told you all these things. Let them come and stand before me. Let them contend with me. Of course, they could not produce any. Nor can any other religion today produce anything or anything, any certainty as to what will happen to the unsaved or even the saved because they promise people all kinds of <clears throat> all kinds of eternity and all kinds of uh, reincarnation and, and um, afterlife and they have no certainty 
they say to them, well, you've got to keep doing this. You've got to be good. You've got to be really good, as good as it can be. When do you know when you are good enough? Well, when do you know when you're good enough? When do you know when you've done enough good works? We got, in Islam, we've got the five pillars of Islam. Okay. And that includes good works, you know, giving alms and all that. When will you know when you're given enough alms to qualify for heaven? When will you know exactly? Because, I mean, it can't be a problem. I mean, when will you know when you've done enough good things, like uh, Hindus and Buddhists and all that say, you know, when will you know when you've done enough to qualify for the place they call heaven? You'll never know. So all your life you're going to work around in confusion and uncertainty because you're just not sure if you're going to make it. Like my, like a Christian, um, a Muslim friend of mine said, he said, well, that's why we pray for the dead, you know. I said, what do you mean you, that's why you pray for the dead? I said, because I recall, I was raised in a Muslim home. And I remember, we used to have these prayer sessions, and whenever we had a special occasion, or some remembrance of some dead people, some dead ancestors of mine that I never met, you know. And um, we'd have all these prayers, and all the guys sitting there, the imams and things, and uh, everyone would be going forth one by one, with a bit of money, saying, can you please pray for my, you know, our grandfather, he died 40 years ago, you know, for God to receive him into his kingdom. And uh, now, as a child, I used to sit down there perplexed, like, if they've died 40 years ago, so where are they now if we're still begging God today to receive them into eternity? What's going on? I mean, these are questions I used to um, ponder in my mind, but um, unfortunately, my parents were not religious enough to have answered my questions, so I didn't bother asking them. Because, I mean, we were supposed to be Muslims. They didn't really practice like, you know, Muslims practice. So on the basis of the five pillars of Islam, which are supposed to obey to get to heaven, I can assure where I see my father wouldn't even qualify. He won't because um, I don't see him even today fulfilling those pillars. And he's 79. And that really saddens me because I have done my best to, to bring him to Christ. And I just wouldn't know it. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of alienated from my from my biological family at the moment. I've been for about two years plus because uh, I've preached repentance to them and they did not like my message. So I said, in which case, okay, then we've got nothing in common. You know, you don't want to hear about my Christ, then that means you don't want to hear about me. So let's leave it. So, um, uh, you know, I've been cut off in a way, shall we say. (laughs) Cut out of the family inheritance and everything, I'm sure. But do I care? No, I've got Christ. And I had to say to them, look, I'm sorry, but if we cannot, you know, be united under Christ, then I cannot unite with you carnally because my life is not carnal. So it's such a shame. I mean, because part of these five pillars mean is um, they're giving arms and being very generous. My father is not. He's very tight-fisted. So (laughs) so there's a problem. I'm praying for him. I still pray for him daily, for Christ and his infinite mercy, who delivered me out of ignorance to deliver my parents too. It really bothers me. It really, I mean, I weep over this. I'm I'm giggling about it now, but when I get down to praying for them, I cry. So anyway... We've got all these gods of the earth. And they they just don't. There's no certainty. But you know the beauty of Christianity. The beauty of the Lord Jesus. God came down as man. He's, he tells us exactly how he can get to heaven. And is it so simple? You have to, All you have to do is come to Jesus... Just bring your sordid, wretched, sinful life before Christ. 
He doesn't care where you've been, what you've done. And ask for forgiveness. Now, he's not going to tell you, well, go and say 74 Hail Marys or go and pay some penance or go and swim in some kind of river or anything like that. He's not into all that nonsense. I don't know where the ideas come from because unfortunately, you know, that's even practiced in some places. But there's no need for it. It's between you and Christ. Now, you come to Christ and you ask him for forgiveness. And you let the, uh, you say to the Lord that you know that he's coming into the world was for your sake. He's taken all the insult, all the mockery, all the persecution and his murder on the cross. That blood he shed in the most traumatic, agonizing situation was for you. Because you know what? That is all, that was what he did for the forgiveness of all our sins. That is enough for forgiveness. That is all that is acceptable to God. We cannot plead forgiveness for ourselves. What's good in me, my sinful self? Want to go to God and atone for myself? What do I want to give God? The blood of rams and bulls and cows? Of course not. It's not acceptable. Only the blood of his perfect son, Jesus Christ. So if you've been thinking and you've been bought in the notion of saying, ah, God has no children, God is eternal and has such gave birth to nobody, you're fooling yourself. Who are you to speak of God and his sovereignty and what, who he is and what he does in his heaven and who he's begotten and who he has not begotten? You can't speak, you're just a creation. The only thing you can do, the best thing you can do for yourself, is to bow the knee and accept God's word as written in the Holy Bible, the only authentic word of God in all of creation. Amazing book. Never been rewritten, never been revised, and never will be. Never been destroyed as much as every possible force and cult and government has tried to destroy it over the centuries and over the millennia. It's never happened. It is still the greatest selling book of all time. Amazing, isn't it? And that statistics come from the secular world. It is still the best selling book ever. The greatest selling ever. It's never moved from the best seller list. In all the thousands of years that the Bible has existed. So you see, if you are not in on it, you are lost. Blind. And what does the Bible say? What did God say there in, um, in, in Isaiah 44, which we read, verse 11? It talks about people of other religions and people, you know, because as far as we're concerned, every other religion outside of Christianity is false. That is what God says, and I believe it. And I see it. And so I know it too. Because I know that there is only one God. And that there is only one way to God the Father. And that being through Jesus Christ, God the Son. Outside of that, nobody else can atone for your sins. Nobody else can forgive you. Nobody else can cleanse you. Nobody else can sanctify you. And as such, nobody else holds the key to your eternity. And you have an eternity. We will all have eternity. Only where we will spend it. If you do not belong to Christ, you will not spend it in his presence. And there's no neutral ground, like I said earlier. If you do not spend eternity in the presence of the mighty God, you spend eternity in hellfire. That's just the way it is. That's what God says, and I will not doubt it. 
Because some people love to hold on to the belief in heaven, but they say, oh, I don't want to believe in hell and all that. Okay, fine. You will believe it when you get there. That's for sure. I mean, I don't get into futile arguments with people about, about Christianity or religion, in fact. I even hate the word religion, as much as God hates religion. When I talk about Christianity, it is a living relationship with the Lord. It's a relieving relationship with God the Father, where you can say God the Father, where you can cry out to God and say, Abba, Father, my Father who is in heaven. You can't say that if you don't belong to Christ. You are not a son of God if you do not belong to Christ. You're not. Because the Bible makes it clear that as many as the sons uh, as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. If you are not in Christ Jesus, if you have not bowed your knee to Christ Jesus, and asked him to be Lord and your Savior, then you do not have the Holy Spirit of God. And without the Holy Spirit of God, you are not the Son of God, because you're still being led by all kinds of spirits of the world. Satan and his fallen angels, that's who's still leading you. And as such, all your deeds are evil and sinful before God. Even your very best activities, mm mm-hmm. God says the very best of our righteous works outside of Christ Jesus are like filthy rags in his sight. So you see, this is the Christianity that Jesus brought. It's not a religion. It's the followership of Christ. Having bowed the knees to him, having come to him for forgiveness, having appreciated that atonement work on the, on the cross where he shed his blood and died a gruesome and cruel death just to see you and I liberated. That is Christianity. You then, from then on, have been believed by faith that you have been forgiven. Don't sit there waiting for some confirmation or a written letter from somewhere or some certificate that somebody gives you. Nobody, you don't need a certificate. It's written on our, it's inscribed on our hearts. When the attitude of your mind, of your, of your mind changes, and now you appreciate that you have to live in obedience according to the word of Christ, you now have to follow him. That's when you are a Christian. Not just when you sit in church and turn up in church, pay your tithes, sow all kinds of seeds, all in the name of wanting more out of God. Sow a seed of faith today, a seed of faith tomorrow, because you're still wanting, you want to believe in God for, for that miracle, and you're believing in God for that breakthrough. Don't fool yourself. That's not Christianity. That's just you being taken advantage of. That's all it is. Christianity is not about you getting rich and famous. It's not about you building houses and having a fat bank account. It's not about you having prominence in this world and worldly status. God does not care about that. Jesus did not come down for all such cheapness. The pagan world indulges in all those things. You are called to separate yourself. Let the pagans run after all their ambitions and all their fame and popularity and all their wealth and all their uh, mansions and their millions and indulge in excesses and, you know, showing off. You know, buying every latest registration of the next nimble gene and all that. Living on acres and acres and acres of land. One family of three. When there are millions of people homeless all over the place around them. Let the pagans do that. Because the pagan world is a selfish world. Self-centered. It's about me, 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 myself and I. That is the pagan life. But you, who say you're a Christian, what's it got to do with you? The formula for Christian living is Christ, others, and then self. The sharp contrast. Jesus did not come down here so that you can be healthy and wealthy. 
and famous and all that nonsense. That's not why Jesus came. Don't cheapen his death into such foolishness of the world. So there's a problem there. It's not everybody who is in church who is going to make it to heaven. As a matter of fact, when I look around me today, what is called church, I think the majority of the people are not going to make it into heaven. It's not my judgment. It's what is the judgment of the word of God, the written word. You get into the Bible yourself. You will see it. It's plain, it's plain and clearly written. Because Jesus said, unless a person be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. You are not born again by, by default because of the kind of church you go to. That doesn't make you born again. And you're not born again because your pastor declares, oh, you are all born again. No, he can't declare that. You know why he can't declare that? Because he can't see your mind. I lead a church also. And I tell the people how to be born again, how to live for Christ. Now, whether they are now born again in the sight of God, only God knows. I can't see their minds. Everybody is on best behavior in church, you see. So it's a bit difficult to tell. But I love the flock you know, in my care. Because they seem faithful enough to me. Why? Because they're always hungering and thirsting for righteousness and for the truth and the word of God. That's why they keep coming. Because you know what? Unless you love Christ and unless you're interested in the word of God, unless you want to know God, you cannot, you cannot survive in the church I lead. Because never once will I speak to you about miracles and breakthroughs. I don't do it because that's not the message of the gospel. I've not been given such a message and I cannot get, start lying before people and end up in hell just because I want to please people. It's not going to happen. I'm called of God to serve the mighty God, not any man. So you see, not many people can survive the experience in the church I lead. But those who are there, I thank God for them because you know what? They have got life that is truly life. They appreciate the things that God appreciates. And they detest the things that God detests. Yes, we're all one in spirit. So you'll hear them talk. They'll talk just as I'm talking. Because we all have one purpose. So consider your situation today. God has said, he is God. There is no other. He came down in the flesh in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Or are you still in denial? Without him, you have no eternity in his presence. Without him, the only other option you have is hellfire. And if you do say you know him, are you faithful? Are you walking in his footsteps? Do you trust him enough to live according to his words? Because unless you abide in Christ, it's a waste of time. We'll go more into that next week uh, when we're back together. We continue this series. We, I'm going to continue this for a while. There's so much to discover about true Christianity. Because without it, a person is lost. I'm Sarah Jalai Emanuel. Until the next time, may the Lord be with you.